the ballpark season 2020. Here we go. Hello everybody out there, welcome to another weekly episode of In The Ballpark. I have to my right hand side of me, the umpire who knows how many South Australian supporters personally cheered him all the way back to his hotel on the weekend. It's Ryan Fraser Hartwick. Fraser, welcome to you, my man. Serbs, thank you very much. Again, uh, continue to outdo yourself, I can tell you. When you're counting the supporters that uh, cheer you off the ground in the green or the blue or God knows whatever they're wearing, there aren't many, that's for sure. Normally, it's, uh, it's your own family and that's about it. And I mean, how many umpires' families are actually allowed in the games? I mean, that's another question, isn't it? But gee whiz, they wouldn't feel too comfortable seeing their hubbies and their bubbies get booed. <laughs> No, no, that's for sure. And when you say how many are in the stadium, sir, well, in 2020, as we know, not too many at all. Not too many at all, but gee, they can be heard. That is for sure. Now let's get to the man on my left or my right. I forgot what side I'm on. He is the stat man who knows how many sticks of butter equates to one Melbourne Demons lineup and how many braids of hair hit the Geelong midfielders on the weekend, of course, referring to Nit, Nat, Paddywhack, Give a Dog a Bone. Maxi, Tonner, welcome to you. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me again. It is an absolute pleasure to have you as always, Maxi. Gee whiz, wasn't Nick Nat very dominant again, second week in the row? He's silver service again, mate. Yeah, he was on fire. It was a difficult task for Geelong. We've had a bit of trouble with their ruck stock. I think it was Jared Whateley who was saying apparently they offered Goldstein five years in the last trade period. And you could sort of see why on was it Saturday night when uh, he was going up against Blitzards in the last quarter and also a Salva Radaglia. And you could just see the pure dominance of him. So to think that they won a premiership without him. Hopefully his body stays right and he can get a good crack at finals this year. Absolutely. Hard to believe they didn't throw a four-year contract at Sam Draper, to be honest, either after that big mark <laughs> on the weekend, which, of course, we'll get into a little bit later. But we are going to get straight into my footy memory. Bye, bye, bye. Footy memories. Cue the music as we usually do with that one. Footy, footy memory. Memory. I tell you what, there's a fair bit of razzle-dazzle Vegas involved in this one. I was in year 10 and it was a Friday night and it was the very first 16th birthday party of the season. And you gents, well, you guys remember back in the day how big those sweet 16s were. Absolutely. <laughs> they were huge. Sure, nothing, nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered indeed. And was it back with the Sweet 16s where you were able to get a handwritten note to at least get one beer? Uh, <laughs> I think so for memory. I remember kids sometimes used to turn up, gents, and they used to be typed. <laughs> Not sure about that. I did practice my parents' handwriting a fair bit. Most of the time it wasn't legible, so wasn't too good with that. But pretty much the entire footy team that I was playing for at the time were invited to this big shindig. And I tell you what, we were a very boisterous bunch of boys. We hit up a park prior to the party. We started singing, stand by me. We were getting into it. The vibes were real. We were drinking cans and urinating in the sand pit. We were a very classy bunch of gentlemen. That is- <laughs> Sound like the English cricket team. 
<laughs> All right, we rocked up to the party, absolutely buzzing. All of us were shredding on the D4. We had our written notes, as we mentioned before, and I managed to get one watered-down beer. It was very, very nice. But it was enough, as you guys know at the time when you're 16, to get you all hyped up. That was all you needed back then. Once upon a time, uh, much simpler times, I think we can agree. That is for sure. So the next morning... We had our footy game. We had to get up at 6 a.m. In fact, we probably had to be up earlier than that because we had to get the bus at 6 a.m. And we headed out to one of our arch rivals, Mentone. You stink! Oh, you didn't like them, did you, Fryzy and Maxie? No, didn't like any of them. No, they were never fun. If ever there was a week to call in sick, so to speak, that was it. And I wish we did, honestly. The entire team was hungover as all shit. Three of our players threw up on the bus, and I had the worst coffee from McDonald's in history. It was literally water, granules, and a tad bit of condensed milk. It was absolutely awful. My stomach could not handle it. We got to the ground, and the team we were playing, they were tall menacing, strong, and hungry for a win. And we, well, we were heavy-headed, sleepless, and crapulous, gentlemen. Absolutely crapulous. There's a word for you. Week after week, you continue to innovate, Serps. The full team, gentlemen, lasted half a quarter <laughs> before the full toll of the previous night truly caught up to us. Some of the players needed an out, and they found a brilliant out through a medical expert on the umpire's bench. Now, she was a blonde-haired, red lipstick, green-eyed, drop-dead gorgeous doctor! It just gets better and better here. Oh, oh, sir. Now, gentlemen, when I say drop-dead, I mean our players were so desperate to end their day on the footy field some of them were going head first into contests without any consequences whatsoever, getting concussed and automatically getting subbed out of the game to be rescued in the arms of the gorgeous doctor on the bench. It makes sense, uh, doesn't it, Dean? Oh, hey, I'm not, I'm not surprised one bit by this, uh, this story serves, I've got to say. And as you can imagine, gentlemen, we didn't get too many digits the night before as far as girls on the D floor either. We didn't have many to pick from. I don't believe you for a second, man. <laughs> oh, and you. <laughs> By three-quarter time, I was the only active player on our team in the entire back half of the ground. And as you can imagine, my task of trying to defend the goals became increasingly difficult. Towards the end of the game, one of the opposition players kicks it from about 55 metres out and the ball is soaring towards the open goal. And I'm running back with the flight, gentlemen, and I'm about to take the ball on my chest. Then, all of a sudden, I look in front of me and bang! I go head first into the goal post. And I get absolutely KO'd. I go black and I am seeing stars. And after an eternity of darkness, what do you think I see next, guys? <laughs> Serves. 
Herbs might have ended up uh, being attended to um, almost <laughs> intentionally. I think uh, I think he ended up exactly where he wanted to be. <laughs> oh yes, I saw the ravishing, exquisite. Dazzling, mesmerizing <laughs> blonde doctor. I was convinced that I had died and went to heaven. I gave her a big smile and then I threw up all over her jacket. <laughs> oh, no. That is my footy memory for this week. Memories. I do not endorse underage drinking nor concussions as a get out of jail card unless the circumstances, gentlemen, are right, like they were on this particular day. I, I, uh, I do applaud that. I do remember in our year 12 formal. I think from memory it was on a Thursday night and I played the following Saturday and I was still feeling the effects. So I, I definitely feel the pain. Luckily, I wasn't concussed. But I know I know what you're going for. Yeah, it has happened before. It's never a good formula for uh, for performance. I've got to say. Let's get on to round nine's considerable winners and mammoth losers. And Maxi, let's start with you. This was a Sunday night blockbuster, and it was Justin Longmuir up against his old assistant coached side. And gee whiz, you got to say, the man must have had a fair bit of intel. Yeah, he must have. I think it was it was a pretty impressive um, performance by Freeman because Collingwood sort of kicked away during the sort of second quarter and then Freer again kicked away in the third quarter and Collingwood brought it back at three-quarter time and you just thought Collingwood are too good of a side. Freer are going to find a way of losing this. But um, I've been impressed with Freer all year. Like even though, even though they were losing at the start of the year, considering how young they are, I've been pretty impressed with them for a side that's three and six. They have a percentage of 84.6, which I reckon is a pretty good sign for um, a team who's actually 3-6. and six. So it was a really good win against um, Collingwood. They've been in most of the games, and they did it without a huge performance from Nat Fife, particularly in the second half. He went forward. He played on Darcy Moore for a, a lot of minutes, and he sort of there are a few contests where you can see that he's sort of still feeling the effects from doing his hamstring. So I don't think he's 100%. Their young midfielders were really impressive. I really like Caleb Sarong. It was the NAB Rising Star a few weeks ago, and then also Brayshaw and Chera, who's starting to come along, and also Connor Blakely came back for his first game in a while. And he played in the midfield, and I think that's where he naturally plays under Ross Lyon. He's getting played a bit across halfback. He had 20 feet disposals. Luke Ryan, mate, from Coburg, you're in. Hey, <laughs> oh, Saturday sun. He's, he's turned himself into an elite intercept marker and also Matty Tabernat, a man who, who loves playing against the Bombers. <laughs> loves pulling out the rig, does Matty Tabernat. Yeah. Um, four goals in the two goal games, a big effort, and he did it playing against a first gamer and an Irishman named Mark Keane for, for the Pies. Uh, a few of the commentators were sort of wondering why did Collingwood drop um, Jordan Ruffett, which was a bit of a mystery. I think most people look at Jordan Ruffett and think he's doing a pretty good job for Collingwood. Um, I imagine Collingwood supporters know more about that than I would, but it's a strange decision to play a first-game Irishman against Matt Tabernard, the guy who kicked four goals. If you're going to keep doing it, why not switch Darcy Moore in the last quarter, <laughs> which is what I was sort of wondering. But Maxie, you've got to say... He wouldn't have been too keen lining up on him. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to sneak in an accident. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so a good win for Freo. Justin Longview, as you said, against Collingwood. So I'm sure he had a lot of intel. 
it kept them to 49 points again. So, yeah, it's a really good win for Freo again. They've got the bye this week. And then the following two games are Hawthorne and Carlton, both Optus. So, given Hawthorne's just beaten Carlton in a pretty good comeback win, I reckon Freo is still a 50-50 chance. I reckon both those games are sort of 50-50 opportunities. So, if they continue to win maybe one of those, be competitive in the rest, I think it's a good sign for Fremantle to come. Yeah, it's it's... Hard to see. If you watch back the footage and you look at a lot of the contests, it doesn't look like they put a lot of work into Caleb Sarong, particularly a player who at the time was probably the best player on the ground in that last quarter. Yeah, he probably was. It's a funny thing because just watching him in the last two weeks, he sort of reminds me a lot of Taylor Adams, who he was sort of playing on. He was playing on in the last quarter, which is sort of funny. As you said, he ran right. Yeah, I don't know how much of this game had to do with the turbulent week that Collingwood had themselves with to do with Nathan Buckley. I think he was quarantined for 24 hours and he couldn't speak to his players. Another controversial week at Collingwood. <laughs> but um, can't take anything away from Freo and especially Caleb Sarong, who Matt Rouse not going to make a comeback. He looks like he could be a sneaky chance for the Rising Star at the end of the year. Good to see as well, gents. 20-odd thousand or so in the house there for that game. And um, they certainly made a lot of noise. It was refreshing to see, even if it may have only been a third or so full of the stadium. It sounded like a whole lot more, which was excellent. Perfect uh, TV slot. You'd just about call it prime time, as it would be on a Friday or Saturday. People are still going to watch it, I think. So they really can't go wrong there, putting more of those games on. Do you reckon they'll stick with it next year, sir? I hope they do. I really hope they do. I suppose if the game starts at around 3 o'clock in Western Australia, then it's not a really late night. Even no. when you do stretch out the quarters a little bit longer, hopefully they'll do that next year. But yeah, it's, it's not a super late night for the young families and for the spectators. And look, uh, a lot of tradies who might be going might extend their weekend depending on who wins. But I think it's a good concept. And as you guys mentioned, for TV viewership, I think it's a very, very smart decision. Yeah, I also love the really early start on a Sunday as well, like the one o'clock start as well. And there's no overlap. So wait, waking up a bit later on a Sunday, and you don't have to wait too long for the footy to start. And then you can watch all three games if you want to back-to-back without any gaps in between. So I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I'm a really big fan of that as well. Yeah, as you mentioned, you can roll out of bed a little bit later. You know, if you've had a big sweet 16, you can get out of bed and you can watch the footy and it's fan-bloody-tastic. So I think it would be great to see more of those games in the future. And as you mentioned, Maxi, you much rather games that don't overlap. You have three in a row rather than two being played at the same time. So hopefully the AFL stick to that formula. And we've got to say, gents, game, set, match for the Fremantle Dockers. And as for Bucks, well... Expensive game of tennis. Fryzy, let's get to your considerable winner for this week because the reigning premiers are well and truly back and they touched up a team who were absolutely storming into the top six. Fryzy, who's your considerable winner this week? Did they ever? Yes. So uh, as you quite rightly mentioned, Serps, I'm going to raise Richmond this week. They... Sort of prior to this um, big win over the Dogs, I guess you might say they looked a little bit unsettled, you know, coming off a flag, all sorts of things, the uncertainty, some injuries, whatnot. They really got it together and absolutely put the Dogs to the sword. So a very complete performance up there at Metricon. Probably their best so far for the year, just about, I might say. It really felt like return to the Richmond that we've known for the last few seasons. And as you said, the Bulldogs, good form coming in, a side that's now expected to challenge. A seven-goal win was set up by a perfect first half. You know, they got to a four or five-goal lead and by halftime, that was 40-odd points. There's sort of no return from there for the Dogs. The big players, I suppose, as you'd expect, they finally got them firing as well. Uh, Lynch 
and Rewalt combine well together. Three goals for Dusty as well in probably a best on ground performance, Serbs. Gosh, and wasn't that goal tight in the pocket as well on the run just exceptional? I mean, it's very hard to believe that over the last couple of seasons, some people seem to write him off about his impact and what he can do. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's an out-and-out champion. And we're seeing, again, just the sensational impact that he can have on the game. It's hard to believe that anyone has doubted him in the past. Yeah, good shout, sir. That was an absolutely outrageous uh, effort there from the pocket. I, I agree. If there's, if there's one player in the whole competition you don't want to start putting the out in there, you'll probably have that come back to haunt you pretty quick, as we've seen. With all of Richmond's depth, it's going to be fascinating for Izzy over the next month to see how many of those players who have really established themselves, your Noah Bolters, your Shy Boltons, even Jake Arts with his pressure to some extent, how many of those players are actually going to retain their spots? Yeah, you're right, Serb. It's, uh, it's well said. Look, built on system, these guys, and it just seems like even when injuries and whatnot hit, they seem to have enough in the in the production line, not necessarily in the best 22. In they come and might fly under the radar as such. They certainly know how to dig this list out of any trouble when such circumstances arise. So it is a big test of the depth, but so far we've seen that it's, it's certainly there. And Maxi, in such a close season where teams in the top eight are separated by a matter of games and some of them even half game, can you see them finishing in the top four, potentially the top two, if they continue their form? I think top four, whether or not they're top two, I'm not sure. I think top two is sort of a battle between Port Adelaide, Brisbane and West Coast. Sort of interesting discussion. I'm wondering later in the year whether a Victorian side is going to be able to win this year. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not Richmond or maybe St Kilda can pull it off. I reckon they're at a pretty big disadvantage when you look at Port Adelaide, Brisbane and West Coast, especially West Coast, who I think is currently the flag favourite, but you, you can't doubt which one. <laughs> they won two of the last three flags and they've got a lot of cavalry to recall when they when they all return from injury and yeah, you can't write off Richmond at all. I think it's not next week, it's next round, which begins on Saturday. They've got Port Adelaide, Ooh. which will be a really interesting game that I'm looking forward to. So that'll be first first fit in Port Adelaide. So Port have got a pretty bad record at home this year. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether or not Richmond can pull a win and maybe if they can beat Port Adelaide, then they will be top four. You know, some of the best premierships are won in adversity. I think if remember Hawthorne in 2014 had a huge amount of injuries and people kept on writing them off, kept on writing them off, and they ended up pulling up one of the great premierships. So if Richmond can end up winning this, then this might be the best of their three. You're absolutely right about Hawthorne. They weren't even favourites going into that grand final against the Swannies. Thought it was going to be a big blowout, but it went the other way. It was unbelievable. So never ride off the champions. Now, let's get to our Mammoth Losers. Because this round was unbelievable, gents, because there were several blowouts over 50 points. And I've got to ask you, before we get into the Mammoth Losers, with such a condensed season and clubs with older lists having to rest a lot of players, do you gents see these big blowouts happening more often? I don't know whether or not they're going to have continual condensed um, fixtures, whether they're going to continue to have four and five day breaks. But I think if you get a disparity with the top 14 playing a bottom 14 coming off a four day break, then there's going to, there's going to be a few 
I wasn't expecting Essen to lose by 63 points in a in a shortened game to Brisbane Lions. But no, the blowouts are certainly probably harder to achieve, aren't they, with the shorter games? But as we've seen, they can certainly still happen. Maybe a few more than we might have expected so far. But look, yeah, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? You know, how each side's able to tackle the random sort of floating fixture and the shortened breaks and a lot of factors there that play a critical part in that. So let's get to the mammoth losers because as we mentioned, there's been some mammoth blowouts this round. Over 50 points, and we never like to see it, especially when it's our own club. Maxi Essendon, what has gone so wrong at the Bombers? We were looking decently average against Adelaide. Very, very <laughs> That's poor. That's a good way <laughs> This was a very, very poor performance against, let's not forget, the latter leaders. Yeah, well, Fry's had us as the massive losers last week and we didn't even lose, so I think it was a sign of things to come. So, <laughs> retrospectively looking at it, I don't think we should be too shocked, but to lose by 63 points and to only kick three goals in a game is pretty poor effort. Really disappointed with the fact that there was seemed to be no really defensive pressure put on Lockie Neal, especially he's the favourite for the Brownlow medal, and he's just ran around doing whatever he liked. But he had 33 touches and kicked two goals, so, I mean, that performance alone <laughs> might have just... One in the brown last. So you never know. And also Jared Lyons had 22 and kicked one. Um, a few of their other midfielders just ran amok. But um, I think we have to say, as disappointing as it was, we also had two tackles at quarter time. Cool. So I think if you're not putting on enough pressure on a team like Brisbane, they're going to pile on the scores. Essendon, you have to look at their outs at the moment. And it's just a fact that they probably don't have the depth to cover this name of outs who are probably in their best 18, if not their best 22. So on the weekend, they had Hooker out, Stringer out, Heppel out, Fantasia out, Danaher out, Langford out, McKernan out, and then Ambrose and Laverde, who are probably in their best 22, especially Ambrose, considering who they're playing, defence they're going to line up with. Maxie, don't forget oh. Connor McKenna, diddly diddly. I've forgotten Connor. Second to that also is Fantasia and Danaher. I've barely played in the last two years as well as um, you look at Stringer and McKernan out. So you can sort of see that the forward line is pretty much decimated. And I think Adrian Adora will be pretty disappointed because when he recruited Stringer to the Bombers, it seems like a while ago now, but you just imagine Joey Danaher playing along with Jake Stringer and Fantasia, McDonald, Tiffin, Woody, and having one of either Jimmy Stewart or McKernan there as well. But they just haven't been able to get that forward line on the park at all since Stringer came to the club. So, yeah, it's disappointing. They've moved down to ninth on the ladder and the percentage has taken a hit. So 88.2% for a team is 5-3 and three is a pretty ugly result. Uh, and so to come, they've got GWS this week and then Gold Coast and St Kilda. So you sort of wonder, you probably line up as favourites against Gold Coast, but it'll be two tough games against GWS and St Kilda. And of the top eight sides, they haven't played yet. They haven't played Port Adelaide, St Kilda, West Coast Eagles, Richmond, Geelong and GWS, who they play on Friday night. So it's sort of looking like a tough road to come. So they've... they've Beaten some teams that they should have beaten, but I think hardest is yet to come for the Bombers, unfortunately. We were, we were talking about Essendon's consistency at the start of the season, winning some very close games, even beating clubs that we would usually lose to that are below us on the ladder. And now to have these two big losses 
in the last month. It must be very, very disappointing for the coaching panel who have put so much hard work in to try and get us playing consistent footy. But yes, you've got to keep in mind lots of injuries at the moment. But Frizy, what is the way forward, do you think, for Essendon? Are we missing a trick with some of our midfield inclusions? And where do you think we can improve over the next four nights? Yeah, certainly. I haven't been able to get that anywhere near the best side together for most of it. You're quite right. I really don't think we've actually seen a sort of complete performance apart from that Collingwood game. A lot of last minute wins where we've sort of just done enough to hang on despite being um, further in front earlier. Yeah, the signs are not great, even though being five and three with that game, of course, against Melbourne still in the back pocket. The concerning thing is there's a lot of things that shouldn't be impacted by the 22 you've got come game time. Things like pressure, tackling. I must admit, I didn't know that, gents, as well. Only two first quarter tackles. It's pretty concerning. Sometimes I think a lot of it is between the years with these guys, as we know that they do have sort of the bones of a of a top four list inside when they've got enough of their best players available. Probably a more overarching internal problem that's been there for, well, probably just about all of our lifetimes almost, or certainly as much as we can remember. So, yeah, it, it is a concern and made even more so when you put into perspective some of those teams that uh, Essendon are still yet to play. Oh, dear. I will say, though, sir, one of the shining lights was big Sammy Draper. He looked very good on his Oh, yeah. The four-year deal that he declined to take that screamer in his first match at the Bombers. It was all worth it. And the best part is he got through the game unscathed as well, which is brilliant. Love his hairstyle as well. Bit of a throwback there with the mullet. But, yeah, doesn't he look like a player? And let's hope he can stay on the park, gents. Yeah, well, considering he's just come off an ACL and just seeing the way that he's jumping, just launching himself at it, he must be pretty confident in his body. But he looks very athletic and he gets across the ground pretty well, which is something that big Tommy Bell Chambers doesn't seem to do too well these days. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not the Bombers continue to go with the two-rough option or whether or not they've got the trust in Sammy Draper to just go with him one out. Well... Essendon hopefully won't be a mammoth loser for any of the future weeks, but it is a very, very tough road, as you gents mentioned ahead. But hopefully, like seasons gone by, we can just scrape into the eight and hopefully this year we can win a final. Let's see what happens. Fingers crossed, Essendon fans. Now, let's get to the other mammoth loser for this round. There is some real strife happening at the Demon's Lands. Everyone seems to be attacking them at the moment, including internally with the president calling them soft as butter. I will mention this, though. I have been to a couple of American carnivals, and they do have deep-fried butter on a stick. So some (laughs) butter is pretty tough. But, of course, he would be referring to a much softer butter, which are how the Demons are playing. Frizy, analyse the Demons for us because... We were talking only a couple of weeks ago about them possibly even making finals. Doesn't look likely at the moment. No, I'm not sure what to make of them. I don't really know where they're going at the moment, but uh, they do seem um, to be, well, going nowhere fast. Just four goals managed against Port Adelaide. I know Port have been such a strong team to play against so far, but yeah, that you've got to be concerned. As you said, the chairman gave them a pretty big whack and as a result, um, I think copped a bit of backlash for it. I think he was just being brutally honest. Sometimes internally, even if it's from your leaders, that might be what is needed. Their their forward half really not functioning. They went with the three talls, I think I heard Simon Goodwin say, and he wasn't confident on them doing that again. They really need to try and fix this mess 
pretty urgently, I think. There's been calls throughout the week, Frizy, about trying to possibly get one of those like-bodied midfielders out of there and possibly chuck them on the trade table in order to get some kind of difference in that midfield selection. Do you think they have the mix right or you just think they're not quite firing as a United group? Um, yeah, probably the latter. I think they had the mix, you know, only a couple of years ago. We saw how close they actually were to a grand final. Can you believe it? May- maybe not. Maybe a bit of um, aggressiveness is needed there. They obviously must still think they're in that window. I don't know how much longer it might have left, but perhaps it might be uh, the difference between Simon Goodwin being there for the long run or not. The main criticism with Marvin is their ball use at the moment, particularly going forward. I was just wondering, like, whether or not they'd be better off switching Tom McDonald back to defence where he played the majority of the start of his career and it looks like he's probably a better defender and whether or not they'd free Jake Lever up to um, actually be the intercept marker that he was in Adelaide. I think Jake Lever's sort of getting stuck being just a defensive player and he hasn't got the room to do what he does best to go for his intercepts. I think I saw a start that he's taken eight intercept marks in seven games which probably isn't what Melbourne paid him that big of a contract for. Yeah, I'd personally think about moving Tom McDonald back and having those three-door defenders so Jake Lever can get back to his intercept game. And they look pretty good without Tom McDonald when Sam Wiedemann was the only key forward. So sometimes you've just got to switch things up. You talked about whether or not they should trade one of their midfielders. So they went after two outside midfielders in the trade period in Langdon and Tomlinson. And Tomlinson already finds himself out of the best 22 with a four-year contract. So you sort of got to question the recruiting a little bit to do with whether or not they identify the right outside midfielders there. So I'm pretty confident he'll be there. I'm sure Melbourne, I think they've got a few winnable games coming up in the next two rounds. I think they play Adelaide, so they should win this week. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't want to be in Simon Goodwin's seat this week. But... If a guy like McDonald is still presumably in the best 22, if that's the change up that's got to be made and sort of crossroad time coming up for that club. Who would you trade if you had to make one out of that midfield, sir? Brayshaw or Clayton Oliver and... You wouldn't trade someone like a Jack Viney being such a, a big name in the club. But I think right now, possibly consider Brayshaw, I think, and try and get someone a little bit different in that midfield mix. I sort of remember back to 2018, I think it was Demons, and he was sort of the one that so him and Petrarca sort of look like they have the good mix of inside and outside. But I look at Oliver and he seems like just an inside midfielder. But I've got a tough one for you lads and Essendon supporters. Tell me whether or not you'd do this trade. Clayton Oliver for Zach Merritt. Mm. Rizy, you're the lookalike. What do you think about this one? I think it's exactly what Essendon needs and it's exactly what Melbourne needs. It's just I don't think either team would have the balls to pull the trigger on it. No, probably not. But almost took the words out of my mouth there. I was just going to say, I feel like it's a kind of thing that could benefit both parties really well. It may be exactly what both is looking for, to be honest. I think back on Essendon, they've got to go after a big body midfielder because I think against the Bulldogs and against the Lions, they've just been exposed with Merritt, Parrish, and whether it's McGrath or Shield, they're all pretty much six foot and under. Dodoro has gone after pretty much everyone, but a big, big bodied midfielder in the last few years. So whether it's an Oliver or whether it's maybe an Ollie Wines or even a Will Brody who's up at the Gold Coast who's not really getting a game, I think that's one area that Essendon 
just got to go after someone or even if it's a draft and you've got to wait a couple of years, they've got to go after a big body midfielder. We've definitely got the age demographic on the list. And I think you mentioned pre-show, Maxi, about the age of our list on the weekend. Yeah, we're the third youngest team on the weekend. Third youngest team on the weekend. So there you go. If you were to get a hard-bodied mid-in who is a little bit taller and eventually will develop, then that'll be a good mix for our midfield. But right now... Gosh, you heard it first here on In the Ballpark. If you've got the balls, Essendon and Melbourne to make that trade, I think it could benefit both parties. Completely agree with that call there, Maxie. We love the suggestions on In the Ballpark. Talking about suggestions, let's get to bring it back. Give it the sack. Have a crack. My back and my crack. And on this week's episode, Gents, you will not believe who I got off the phone with today. Who was that, Matt? I got off the phone with the West Coast Eagles administration because I wanted to know whether their iconic wedge-tail eagle, Aussie, has been flying recently. Because as you guys know, it's one of the great traditions in the West. They have the wedge-tail eagle do a couple of laps of the stadium and then fly and land in the middle, sometimes getting their big claws on a footy or on a poor soul's arm. Whatever it is, we love seeing it. They told me that unfortunately, they haven't had the wedge tail eagle tradition due to not having a full capacity of crowds and some of the restrictions there, they don't want too many people on the ground, including the trainers. But how good is it to have animal ambassadors in the game? Now, I want to look at some of the other clubs' animals and possibly some of the animals that we can bring in because, gents, Western Bulldogs, they've got the Caesar Bulldog, which we absolutely love. Very, very ugly animal. I saw one on the beach the other day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Collingwood, well, don't worry about magpies. Their fans swoop just about every opposition fan club in the business, so don't worry about them. Now, the Tigers, Lions, and Geelong Cats. Let's talk about this, gents, because this is a very serious proposition. Our friend... Joe Exotic over in the States. Should we be getting him on the phone and trying to get big cats at our games? Carol f***ing Askin. Wanna know how I turn gay? Carol f***ing Askin. Bring him in. I think Mitch Robinson dressed up as, as the MND slides. Uh, pull a few strings, bring, bring Joe down to the gather, maybe. <laughs> I'm sure this is certainly something that you can pull off, sir. I've got to say, it's, a, uh, it's certainly left field as, as they are most weeks, but look, I'm all for it. If we can get Meatloaf, we can get Joe Exotic, surely. <laughs> surely, surely, surely the strings can be pulled for this one. Now, gents, let's look back a little bit into 1978 where the North Melbourne Football Club had an elephant at Arden Street running around the ground. <coughs> there is famous footage of a fan on the elephant's back and it's going full riot mode now. Gosh, wouldn't we like it if an elephant came up against a boxing kangaroo? It'd be interesting, Matt. Who do you reckon would come on top? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't want to be a kangaroo getting underneath one of those big hoofs of the elephant. I'll tell you what. It might be splattery pat-pat. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> pretty nimble, though. I reckon you could get around here. Sell a bit of candy. Now, Fraser, you're a bit of an outdoor enthusiast. You've seen kangaroos in their domain Gee, they got some moves, don't they? And, and how about the rigs? I didn't know I was, but I, I'll take it. I must be. Oh, how about it? Oh, it, it, Again, I, I'm all for this too. Look, I don't see any, any downsides as long as they can be kept under control. Absolutely. Now, I might be a bit controversial for saying this, but I've tried to think 
about what Essendon can do on the animal front for our games. Now, we'll be playing Richmond in the Dreamtime Clash in Darwin in round 13. So I was thinking about the conditions in Darwin. They're quite humid, quite muggy, quite warm. I think it's the perfect location, gentlemen, to release mosquitoes, a proper mosquito fleet. Just make sure you remind the Essendon and the local fans to bring their hazmat suits. Don't tell the Richmond supporters and release havoc. Get those mosquitoes in there. Just make sure there's no malaria. <laughs> Look, if they can avoid that, oh, absolutely. Uh, otherwise, uh, a risk-free exercise, is it not? How did the mosquito become synonymous with Essendon, though? The mosquito fleet refers to the actual bombers, which are, of course, the planes. So when you say a mosquito fleet, that's a collection of planes. But for them to uh... then replace that for mosquitoes, oh, I don't see it as threatening. They're a little <laughs> parasite. But at the same time, when you get stung by a couple on a beautiful summer afternoon cooking a barbecue, oh, you know about it. Yeah, maybe if we took a game to Africa or something, it'd be a bit more menacing. <laughs> but it'd sound a bit more menacing to the locals. I think so. You may not get too many fans coming to those games, that's for sure. But I wanted to look at some other sports. The Kraken, the Seattle Kraken. They've got an octopus. That has to be one of the greatest mascots out there. Maxi, do they actually roll out an entire tank with the McCracken in there? Well, it's a mythological creature, mate, so I don't think so, but <laughs> I don't think they're, they're a new team, so I don't think they've played yet. Yeah, well, when they play, they're going to have to do a Bigfoot Loch Ness monster kind of search, and they got to they got to find some people to, to bloody get one of these up and about. Well, they're an ice hockey team, so maybe they could have like a big cage of an, uh, an octopus hanging a, hanging above the stadium or something. I don't know. A big, a big frozen piece of ice with this massive octopus in it. <laughs> oh, that'd be brilliant. I wouldn't want to swim with one, that's for sure. No. We're going to look at one other sport, and in this sport, they have the Sir Big Spur, which is known as the South Carolina Gamecocks, which is just absolutely unbelievable. So they used to have, the original name for it was Cocky Doodle Lou because their coach was known as Lou Holtz. So a cock, gentlemen, in the American football. What do you reckon about that? Cock all before the match. Well, well. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going to take that one, mate. Uh, didn't even really know such a thing existed. I've got to praise your level of research once again, Serps. It, uh, it just impresses me more and more each week. Wow. The cocks. There you go. How about that? Plenty of animals need to be included. We've put every club on notice on in the ballpark. Let's get to give it the sack, gents, because on the weekend, we saw a very, very bizarre bit of footage. But before we get to the footage... Let me sing you a song, gents. I'm going to sing. Two clear bottles sitting on the floor. Two clear bottles sitting on the floor. And if one yellow bottle should accidentally fall, there'll be 29 points that you'll manage to score. Thank you very much. (laughs) We'll send that to the voice trailer. Superb. Absolutely superb. (laughs) Gents, do you know what I'm referring to? Money mix. Oh, yeah. Fryzy, have you ever seen this before? This was under 10s kind of stuff. Someone placing plastic bottles on a floor and telling their players to do the obvious and move them. What is yeah. going on at Adelaide? Oh, I wish I could answer that. It uh, just adds another layer of uh, complexity to the whole Adelaide situation. Gee, I, 
I know football department spending might be on the on the low, gents, but what we couldn't get a couple of cones instead. What about a whiteboard? Some whiteboard markers. Look, that's that's right. It's probably too logical in this in this uh, situation, unfortunately. I think, gents, I'm pretty sure the AFL have their own merchandise range where they bring out little figurines of the players. Like, didn't they have a Matt Crouch or a Tex Walker figurine lying around? I still can't work out where this has come from. I know you want your uh, new young coaches to bring innovation, but this is taking innovation to a bit of a different level. Isn't it? I think it's had something to do with their defensive transition, but that's just a guess from the scenes of him moving bowls around. Something to do with player positioning. I don't know. It's very, very baffling. So give that the sack. Now have a crack. Gentlemen, I love this have a crack this week. This is one of my absolute favourites. Now, in Japan. There was a startup company called Donut Robotics, and they've created a smart mask. What a very, very smart niche they have delved into right in the middle of a pandemic. Now, this smart mask, it is a high-tech mask that not only goes on your face and covers you and keeps you safe from all those germs out there, but this mask can transcribe dictation. It amplifies into the wearer's voice and it translates speech into eight, yes, eight different languages. The system can translate between Japanese and Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, Indonesian, English, Spanish and French. Gee whiz, gents, this would have been a very, very good mask to have during our French and Indonesian classes (laughs) back in the day, huh? My word, this is... This is out there, but look, we are in a time where masks are the new normal and things are so unpredictable. Look, Serps, it's not even out of the realms of the possibility, is it really? Now, gents, I bring up the mask because on the weekend, our very own Andrew McGrath was battling against Brisbane's Jared Lyons. He took possession of the ball. He was then adjudged that he had dived on the ball and a free kick was paid against him. My argument was that he was tussling literally in the hands with Jared Lyons. I may not strike you as a guy who watches a lot of diving, but I've watched the plane high diving, the three-metre springboard, the 10-metre platform, and the synchronised free and 10-metre springboard. And I can comprehensively tell you that our boy Andrew Pigeon McGrath did not dive on that footy. Now, listen, what I'm saying is, This Japanese mask technology should be used to translate some of the umpiring decisions. (laughs) Yeah, there were were a few terrible decisions on the weekend. I think the Andrew McGrath one, there's a a handful of other holding the ball ones, even a few deliberate ones. The decision to um, sack Mitch Cleary. um, (laughs) But yeah, I think the umpires could definitely do with it. (laughs) Get them on board. The um, donut. Robotics, is that what they're called? They can be the new sponsor of the Unbuys and replace OPSM. <laughs> yeah, boys, if it helps uh, improve general uh, football people understanding of what the hell the rules are or what's being paid or not paid this week, it might be a good thing. If it reduces some of the confusion, who, who could be against it? My thoughts there. I've also got to say as well, it might be a handy mask to have when approaching the Collingwood Cheer Squad. <laughs> Well, hopefully they're all wearing I wonder if they can get a mask that has more teeth on it. <laughs> they can get the Tony Jones ones. Did you see those ones on the Sunday? Oh. Show? <laughs> <laughs> you 
the big chomper mask. That's not the worst idea, I tell you. We love innovation here on In the Ballpark. And let me tell you, Japanese technology, it could be well overdue in the game of AFL. That is for sure. Let's get to our final segment of the show. It is final thoughts and what we're most looking forward to and most excited about in round 10. Can you believe it? We're already at round 10, gentlemen. And let's look at Tuesday night's game. Maxi, this is your most excited about game. Tell us why you're so excited. It's going to be a cracker, man. Richmond and the Brisbane Lions. So it's second versus fifth game. Has not started already, <laughs> but I'm um, looking forward to watching it later tonight, man. Fryzy. What game have you identified as your most excited game for the round? Ah, uh, yes. Well, speaking of metric on this one on Thursday, between the Suns at home against the Saints, two sides that have really improved rapidly so far in this season. They both play really exciting styles, a lot of run, excitement. That's why I think this one will be a really good one to watch. Tough one to tip, maybe leaning towards the Saints, although the Suns at home maybe just that little edge about them because of that. I still think there's not a lot between these two at the moment. Lots on the line for the Saints. The Suns, they're not too far outside the eight, so lots riding on this match. And the two towers... One's got a shaved noggin and the other one's got long locks. Of course, it's the Max and Ben King show, the King Brothers. What's up, King? He was twice his bloody size. You superstar. Oh, how exciting is it to see both of them at either end of the ground, gents? Uh, I was waiting for this to get brought up and I'm glad that you did. It's probably the feature of this contest. For that reason alone, worth flicking on Thursday night and watching, I think. Maxie, who's going to win out of the two brothers? Uh, I don't know about the two brothers. I'm tipping St Kilda, so I'll go with Max. Go with Big Maxie. It's certainly in the name. The favouritism, I can feel it right now. <laughs> oh, look at that. We, oh, did see, we did see a few weeks ago that one of the Mackay boys was a laid out. Do you reckon one of the King boys would be a laid out? Are they the same person? Is there a Jekyll and Hyde <laughs> oh, going sir. on? Oh, There'll be questions if there is. My most excited about game is none other than a game that I went to last year. It was Essendon up against the GWS Giants and Hooker, Hooker. McKenna, 55, the luck of the Irish. It falls to Hooker. Took an amazing mark and kicked it right into a Greek flag. I don't know what that was doing up, but anyway, (laughs) it was an extraordinary match and the Bombers were not favourites for that game last year and they got up and it was a massive victory. I'm very intrigued to see with those two outs, how the GWS Giants are going to cover that because they pretty much played the whole game without both of their stars and they managed to do pretty well against the Suns. As we mentioned, very, very strong contender this season. Well, Essendon are just going to have to show something, gents, aren't they? They're just going to have to show something. We're going to have to be a lot more fierce around the ball because the Giants' mids are very, very dominant. I think Dylan Shaw will be very happy that Matt DeBoer's out and hopefully, I'm hoping that Dylan Clark will be in this week so he can... Hopefully play a good role on one of the GWS midfielders. But yeah, I think I think we're up against it. But having said that, I would have said the same thing for this game last year. I think this this game last year began a run of 
I think it was five wins in a row. So hopefully we can do a repeat of that. Certainly up against it, yes, as Maxi said. But I, when I was looking at the round, I didn't even think of this as one to watch. There's so much on the line for both. So I can see why you've um, you've picked this one out, Serpent, not even just because of the little Essendon leaning that we have on this show. It's a crucial one, and it is a Friday night special as well. Oh, yeah. We love the big games on a Friday night. And gee whiz, Essendon have had a lot of big stages to play on this year. Let's hope we can fulfill it and not lose again by a big margin. Guys, it's going to be one hell of a marathon of footy in the next two weeks. We're very, very excited about it. And gents, again, thank you for your company today. Thanks, sir. Thanks, Serps. Absolute pleasure once again. Enjoy the rest of the footy feast, friends. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And I am going to be sure to get on the phone to Joe Exotic and see if we can get those exotic cats <laughs> at those games coming up. Oh, I'm very, very excited. Surely Siegfried and Roy might also answer the phone. We can only hope, Serp. We look forward to rolling updates for the remainder of the season. Absolutely. I might get a fair invoice in the mail. Thank you for listening out there to another episode of In the Ballpark. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow our Instagram page at In the Ballpark AFL. We look forward to having your company next time on In the Ballpark. Yeah.